This is the Leadership and Insurance Podcast, brought to you by FinPro Search Partners. Insurance companies are businesses and they need to look for the long term and be sustainable. We went from zero to one and now it's going from one to a hundred. Insurance as, as a concept, as a kind of service, is brilliant. The execution is what we're looking at now. I think the companies that are going to succeed are the ones that are going to understand and master the art of intent. When we talk about innovation, we lean too heavily to think about technology and we don't think about creating a culture of innovation. I think innovation is essentially continuous improvement of existing processes and platforms and product, right? It's got to be easy. It's got to be seamless. Good afternoon and welcome to the Emerging Tech series of the Leadership and Insurance podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Savage, and this is the podcast where we speak to technology executives, founders and leaders from the world of insure tech and insurance. And today I am very lucky to be joined by Sven, CTO of Taurus. Sven, welcome. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. Um, yeah, looking forward to this. Discussed it a couple of times with you before, and uh, yeah, glad we could finally make it work. Yeah, yeah. Last time, I'm actually for the first time doing a podcast from Finn Pro Towers in London. I always usually do them from my home, but the last time I was in London, I um, we had lunch and we kind of spoke about this, um, which I was, of course, on time and uh, everything for. <laughs> <laughs> Um, if anyone ever takes Ben out for lunch in London, his um, favourite place is pret a <laughs> That's exactly right. Mostly because it doesn't really exist in the US. So, you know, yeah, it's yeah. so good. Yeah, that's great. I do love it. I do love it. I'm sicking myself with it. But um, because I don't live in London now, I always very much enjoy going. But um, So, yeah, no, it's rare. But it's always nice when we get to uh, to meet in person before these podcasts, because in the day and age that we live in now, it's all this is all done remotely and and, and via email. So yeah, no, it was nice. So before we get into it, Sven, um, always a nice place to start. And your background um, is non traditional, if you like, in terms of that route to a CTO co founder within tech. So would you be able to give us a a bit about your background, you know, your career background and, and how you got into, well, technology and insurtech, please. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you're right. It is uh, somewhat unusual. Um, I had a career in investment banking uh, for about 12 years, I'd say. Um, and that was in in London exclusively. Uh, I started my career at Merrill Lynch, um, ended my career in investment banking at uh, uh, Jefferies, and it was all investment banking, basically advising large corporates on merchant acquisitions, EZM and, and debt capital market raisings, <clears throat> and uh, did about 20 deals um, throughout my career. Uh, and then, you know, I became director or, or senior vice president, uh, as they call it, uh, at Jefferies. And I was really... Faced with a um, with a conundrum to me that was acknowledging on the one hand that I'm not a perfect or great salesperson and that is something that I'm you know always trying to improve but it's not something that comes natural to me uh, and on the other hand the career prospect changing drastically for me as you move to a more senior position in banking specifically when your final career path is being a managing director whose sole responsibility really is originating new deals and speaking to customers and networking. So, you know, I just felt like I would have had 
a massive uphill struggle to to climb and and it was not particularly one that i enjoyed either um so you know i loved my time investment banking it was fantastic it gave me a, a a really solid groundwork and 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 set of personal and professional skills and technical skills but i felt like you know i i really wanted to do something much more entrepreneurial and um when covid hit so I, I had left investment banking uh, uh, at the end of 20, uh, um, 2019. Um, uh, I had a short stint at a at a private equity uh, family office in London. Uh, after that, I decided to completely move out of finance and do something entrepreneurial. Then COVID, you know, bound all of us to our respective couches, and I basically just took a few books and took the time that I that that I had the ample time to to read up on something that I always enjoyed, but never really pursued to any great level, which was writing software code. When I say enjoyed, I enjoyed the idea of it. I, I had read a little bit about it, but never really delved into it to any great lengths whatsoever. But I, I picked it up fairly quickly, loved it. It was really, really enjoyable. Um, just you know, being able to build something yourself. Um, and um, you know, I uh, when my wife and I moved to New York uh, for her for her career prospect, really, um, I decided to formalize that a little bit. Uh, I spent three months, a bit more than three months, at General Assembly. Um, we do a fantastic um, boot camp, and I did that. Uh, did a whole bunch of projects whilst there, and then afterwards as well. Uh, Eventually, I met Doug uh, online, and I joined. Uh, Doug is my my co-founder and and CEO of Taurus, uh, and I met Doug at at his previous startup, which was Taurus, uh, which was a um, uh, an NGA setting uh, um, insurance policies to car insurance policies to rideshare drivers in the US. Uh, and I joined Duck's business um, mostly because of the team that was there, but also I thought the idea was pretty cool to have a you know customized insurance product uh, bespoke for for the um, gig economy, uh, which you know is 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 a pretty interesting prospect and and a, and a large growth market. Uh, and you know that was my first job in in uh, as a, as a software engineer. And I loved it. I, I thought it was fantastic. Um, just you know, being able to to build something and push something uh, to the code base and and be in charge of you know running with a with a certain um, element of the product and and making sure that that uh, is being seen to fruition uh, and then eventually being deployed and used by customers is 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 a fantastic fantastic prospect um, that that I believe every developer is or should be enjoying. Um, and I thought it was fantastic. So uh, unfortunately. Um, tourists, uh, excuse me, stable didn't go quite the way that we had intended um, for a number of reasons. Uh, but in essence, uh, the company was sold, and uh, Doug and I afterwards discussed that you know we really wanted to to do something um, in that space, uh, the insurance space. There's there's a great need for um, optimizing and simplifying the the whole interchange or interconnection between insurance and finance and we felt there's so much to do and and so much to to improve upon and sort of you know bring or rather you know allow insurance parties insurance players of the insurance funds flow to actually partake in much more advanced technologies um, is something that we thought was was really interesting and that really takes us to 
to Taurus, which we which we founded together. Uh, and that's where we are today. Mm. Awesome. I mean, yeah, as I say, an unusual journey um, from investment banking and then in a matter of three years, you've picked up coding and then joined as, you know, almost like founding engineer at Stable, CTO, and then now co-founding with um, with Taurus. I mean, I guess for the, the listeners, um, given it's very early stage for you guys, could you explain a little bit more about the Taurus business and what the mission is, please? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Taurus is in essence a uh, financial service provider, really a, a bank for uh, insurance agencies uh, in the first instance. And what we want to do or set out to do is we want to uh, essentially rewire how insurance agencies manage their funds flow. Um, so today you have, um, you know, a number of pain points that insurance agencies suffer uh, when they want to, you know, um, set up a bank, set up a payment uh, provider, um, you know, go through the onboarding. That's already where the pain starts, to be honest. Um, you know, charge or bill their customers uh, and then make sure that they remain in trust at all times. Uh, the funds are safe in their trust account, but also that funds are then moved you know, from their trust account uh, into their operations account for the commission part and um, from the trust account into the uh, carrier, uh, to the carrier, uh, which would be the sort of net premium, um, you know, that's attributable to the carrier. So all these, all these flows are there and, and um, those obligations specifically for, um, uh, for those insurance agencies that take on the responsibilities of, of billing. Um, so, um, you know that's that that's a huge that's a huge task to take on. And agency bill is 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 something that that all agencies will find painful. Um, and we will set out to essentially provide a financial service or bank product that allows those agencies to, in essence, run that that whole um, that whole stream of of funds flow. Uh, much more effectively and much more efficiently. Mm. Yeah, super interesting. And in, in that, that whole you and Doug coming together, the inspiration of the creation of Torres solving that problem, like I think you've kind of answered it in terms of the pain point that's clearly there within the industry. But I'm just always interested to know why was this the problem that you both chose to try and solve? Is it based on your experience as you know, an investment banker, or was that a combination of what you were seeing in the banking space and also what you guys have maybe experienced at Stable? Like, what was the real burning desire for you guys to go in? Because, look, I mean, you started a company at an interesting time <laughs> in the mm, market. So, sure. But, you know, you know, this time, usually I would say if, if you look back at these, um, you know, company formations happen in, in, in bursts. And you'll find that oftentimes the the more interesting companies actually get formed and, and um, uh, capitalized at, at at the worst times. Yeah. Um. So you know, in that sense, I think historic track record is is on our side, which is already a plus. <laughs> um. You know, if you can if you can survive in in this kind of environment, that's already pretty solid. And I also think that right now the focus on cash being king again, which it hasn't been for you know a long long time. Is, is a good thing. 
but leaving all that aside to answer your question, yes, I think it's a combination of both, although I would argue it's definitely the experience of Taurus that has led us to this point. Um, I'd say two parts to this answer, right? The first part is, is the banking aspect. Yes, my track record uh, or background does, does help a little bit, um, but I would argue maybe an observation that I would think is, is relevant here is that you know, banking has been fairly, fairly stable business and in, in, in terms of what a bank is, what a bank does um, for, I'd say, you know, I don't know, the last hundred years, maybe. I mean, you know, banking has always been sort of a, a product that is fairly generic and applies to everyone. And we feel there is a reasonable assumption here that, um, you know, banking in the future will be much more uh, verticalized by industry verticals, um, because there are many other in industry verticals who suffer certain pain points that a, a, a better in banking infrastructure could solve for them. Um, but the problem is that the retail banks and commercial banks that are uh, abound today are not capable of, of finding a good solution. One, because you know usually those verticals are quite small in terms of, or tend to be smaller than their overall business. So there's an argument to say, well, you know, if it's a big business like in the UK, where uh, sorry, in, in the US, where you have a bifurcation of you know large national banks, the sort of champions, and then the small regional banks, the large banks are too big to take on this job, um, and the small banks are, I'd say, not technically advanced enough, um, and don't have maybe the sector expertise that it requires to really be, um, you know, um, to 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 really be uh, be uh, in charge and, and able to to come up with a product solution themselves. Um, and I'd say the second part, which arguably is the more important part, is of course our experience and, and track record and background in in running uh, stable. This is really me paraphrasing more or less Doug's experience. Definitely has led us to this point where you know we had Doug had had experienced firsthand the problem and the pain points that come with having to manage those funds flows. Um, and, you know, once you've, once you've, you've experienced those, those pain points and problems yourself, you're thinking, well, you know, there should be really a better solution for this. Um, and this is exactly what we're building out right now. Right. So we would have loved to, to be able to onboard with a bank that immediately understands that, you know, we need two accounts, right. We need a trust account and an operations account. So having that partner, that banking partner that understands why we need to do that and then ask silly questions, um, you know, or make us go through an enhanced due diligence process because, you know, those two accounts out of the box sound suspicious to anyone who is uninitiated and doesn't have the insurance background um, would be hugely valuable, would have been hugely valuable to us. Um, being able to send a payment link to our customers who can, you know, then have the option of paying by card, uh, you know, paying by ACH um, or wire or whatever other modalities, um, it, you know, bundled with with a uh, with a premium finance product, um, being able to borrow, you know, against against the cash flows that we generate, against the book of business that we have, you know, these books of business, these these policies are usually pretty strong businesses. If I compare this back to the companies that I've seen and evaluated in my investment banking times. The recurring cash flow coming out of these businesses is actually pretty solid. Um, churn is fairly low, 
so you should think that from a you know credit perspective, these businesses are highly, um, you know, highly um, uh, are, are solid and strong businesses that are credit worthy, but still they struggle, you know, finding uh, financing in in the market for a number of reasons. Uh, because you know, I think the large banks that could evaluate a balance sheet and PNL uh, of an agency and understands that this cash flow and, and this business is actually a recurring business and hence um, you know very attractive from a lending perspective. They, you know, we're talking tens of millions of dollars of volume in terms of um, loan capacity. That's not what the typical agent needs, right? We're talking millions and not tens of millions. So basically the business is too small for large banks. And the, the small banks, the regional banks for whom that commercial business would be suitable in terms of size, uh, you know, they don't have the time or, or maybe the know-how to really delve into those statements and understand that, you know, those businesses are strong, credit-worthy businesses. Uh, mm. So wherever we see, you know, we see a lot of these pain points that I've just walked through and, and it, 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 we would have loved to have a partner like, like Taurus, like the bank that we're trying to build now, um, to help us, um, you know, get going in, as, as an insurance and MGA. Mm. So it sounds like it's a very underserved market in terms of who you're targeting. And like my just question of thinking off what you're saying there is like, what is it that's different about Taurus, which you have alluded to in terms of, you know, prior experience and, and you know, the the, the, the skill set that both you and Doug bring, but is there, is, there, is there more to it in terms of what's different about, I guess, the tourist platform in that space of, of, of the payments and, and, and the, you know, what's, how does it differ from that traditional banking platform and how are you able to kind of serve that underserved market? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, let me walk through, let me walk you through some of the solutions that we propose in our, you know, MVP, the minimum viable product. Uh, and how we think of those solutions, I think that will give you a much better picture of, of how we're different. So let's start with the onboarding process. You know, when you're onboarding with a bank, um, sometimes you have to like call people up. You have to um, you have to come into a branch. Um, our onboarding process is 100% on online. Um, we understand your business, so out of the box, you get a um, operation, an operations, and a trust account. We understand exactly why you need that trust account, so we're not going to ask you you know, silly questions around it. Uh, the, um, you will also be able to, um, to sort of, you know, pick and choose different products that we offer. So there's a whole um, list of products that we come out with first that are going to be highly relevant and, and, and valuable for you. Um, so, uh, you know, there's going to be, as I mentioned before, a, um, a payment solution. So that in essence allows you to send a payments link um, to your customers. Uh, so in our banking platform, you will be able to create a, uh, a, a new um, customer. So that, that's, a, that, that's, a, that's, that's a customer that you are selling a policy to. You can create a new transaction. Uh, that transaction will automatically send an email to that customer and invoice that customer with the invoiced amount um, the customer then receives that email, clicks on a link, and goes onto a payment platform. On that platform is the sec is the third innovation, I guess. So the third innovation is we have a um, premium finance 
uh, marketplace backing us up. So we will offer that premium finance marketplace uh, to your end customer, your you being the agent. Um, that end customer can now not just choose between you know card and uh, and ACH. Uh, they can also choose to finance uh, that that premium deal. Uh, and most importantly, unlike what other agency or excuse me, unlike what other providers do, they give you access to one um, premium finance company. We will give you access to a premium finance marketplace where you can choose uh, from a variety of premium finance providers. Um, and you get the best premium financing solution that suits your needs, whether that's price or um, you know type of upfront or size of upfront payment. Um, so that's the that's the third innovation, you know, built-in uh, premium finance marketplace. So the money now, let's say that the the customer pays, the money now is moved automatically into your trust account. Now you can actually, as an agent, you can even at the point of setting up that transaction, that that bill event, you can actually decide what you're going to do with that money. Um, you could move it automated, by the way, uh, into you can split up the payment and receive, um, say, you know, twenty percent of your twenty percent of the premium funds as your commission um, into your. Uh, operations account all automatically channeled through your trust and operations account and have the remaining 80% moved on to um, the carrier, right? Or in fact, for that matter, any other recipient that you deem is party to that transaction. So it's perfectly customizable. Um, the fourth innovation is um, you can... Um, you can actually, and this is what we found out, we realized actually a lot of agents don't use that float very effectively. Uh, what, I, what I mean by float is the, um, the premium funds sit in your account. The 20% or thereabouts, which is usually the size of the commission is yours anyway, okay? So you can do with that whatever you want to a certain extent. Technically speaking, it, is, it should also be under trust, but that's a, that's a different, different matter. Mm -hmm. um, the 80% are moved to the carrier and usually the agent has like, let's say a 20 or 30 day leeway. Most agents don't do anything with that, with that cash. Uh, the fourth solution that we built into this product is a treasury management product, which allows our customers to have those funds automatically flow into a treasury management feature where it yields a return. And then again, depending on the contractual agreement with a carrier, have the money returned to the trust account or maybe paid directly uh, into the carrier's pockets on the day um, that that is contractually agreed. So you're basically maximizing the hold of those funds and you are economizing on that float uh, by investing it into say treasury uh, uh, treasury stocks. So those are those will have some variability in terms of volatility in terms of the price throughout the hold period but of course your the the return is guaranteed at the entrance of that trade um your counterparty at that point is the u.s government so unless you believe that the u.s government has a financial liability problem uh which it doesn't uh, it, it's a fud um, they can print money so you know that's 
put that aside, you will get your money back plus some return. So that return is something that actually allows us to, um, to, to be a, instead of just a cost center in an agent's mind, we become a revenue center. So that, 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 that fourth product feature of ours, this treasury management feature actually is a, is, is a revenue contributor to an agency's business and not an unmeaningful one either, especially in this environment. Uh, you know, we're seeing a much more normalized uh, interest rate environment, which is going to be normalized for much longer than most people think. Um, I don't think we're going to go back to zero interest rates anytime soon. So agents really are leaving a lot of cash on the table. You know, you could be earning like three, three and a half thousand dollars on every one million uh of uh, annual premium funds flow so if you are and, and one million is a small agency right um so that would be almost like a one-man shop if you're a one-man shop and you have one million dollars flowing through your um through your trust account and you hold those for you know a few days uh maybe 20 days on average you are literally leaving three four maybe five thousand dollars on the table um and largely, I would add maybe the fifth product feature that we're pretty keen on, but that's maybe not something that we will come out with uh, for the MVP, although we're aiming for, for doing that, is, is, an, is an automation. So um, automation in the sense that we will expose an open API uh, to our more tech-enabled customers, the sort of you know, tech-enabled MGAs, the larger ones that have a tech team and can actually plug into our API. We want to allow our customers to run their banking business uh, programmatically so that there is no more a need for somebody to you know go into their banking um, platform you know lock onto their uh, agency their AMS systems uh, and do a manual cash reconciliation process painful hugely time consuming shouldn't happen in this day and age so I think those are I, I've been speaking a lot now here but I, I hope I sort of walked you through the the customer, experience from you know onboarding to making a uh, um, to, to making a uh, a payment request and and receiving those funds and then what they can do with those funds um yeah L let me know if you've got any questions or anything that's unclear yeah yeah no that's just um i can i can i fully understand you know not to the deepest intricacies but from soup to nuts you guys provide a complete holistic end-to-end platform for as i say kind of the insurance industry and it kind of it totally answers the question as to you know why this differs from a traditional banking platform and that is actually that's actually another observation that is is it's a usp of ours which is mm. you know those those individual services do exist already in some way shape or form somewhere no um, one two, yeah. two 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 comments on that exactly so on first comment not in one package solution and even individually let alone in a package solution optimized for the insurance industry and this is the big this is the big big emphasis here you know this is mm. optimized for insurance agencies and and for the insurance industry funds flow at large um yeah and the main things that this will enhance from customer experience you know for insurance brokers agents and carriers 
you know, what, what's the kind of main benefits of that, you know, succinctly and a, a couple of, you know, bullet points from your end. Like, I think you've you've clearly explained the benefit from an end-to-end solution and how it's it's seamless. It's, as I say, from soup to nuts, completely um, embedded within the one platform. But, you know, overarching that, what, what do you guys seeing? How does this enhance, you know, everyone from brokers, agents to carriers, customers? Yeah, absolutely. Um, first off, um, you know, it it removes a lot of the pain points that I earlier talked about. Yeah. Um, you know, you when you onboard, you you're not being asked silly questions to justify what your business model is. Um, you know, we understand exactly what you're doing and, and why you why why you're doing it. Um, you know, you uh you have cost advantages, uh, you have time advantages. You know, we aim mm. to actually because because we have control of the payments flow and the actual underlying accounts, in many instances, we will be able to make payments available to you uh, more or less immediately, if not if not same day, then the next day. That's a huge advantage. Take Stripe or uh, you know, ePay policy. Uh, you won't get your money. You might have your money in a week. Now, we... We, we don't see any reason why a, an agency shouldn't have the funds in their account the next day. Um, and that's, that's a huge benefit. Um, now, you know, that requires some knowledge on our part of the customer. So maybe those features won't be available to you immediately. Um, you know, once we've built out those solutions, we need to figure out exactly how we roll this out. Um, so there is a possibility that, you know, we need to, you need to build up a track record with us um, so that we can, in essence, make those funds available to you. But on paper, there's absolutely no reason why that shouldn't work. Um, and mm. you know, lastly, there's of course the uh, revenue maximization potential. You know, if you're a large agency, um, you, you you should be maximizing the utilization of of this of this float. Um, every other company that has a float does that. Um, Insurance is a good example. They they invest their float. Uh, there's absolutely no reason why insurance agencies should not be doing that either. Uh, mm-hmm. And and lastly, it's 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 the whole play around um, automized automation and you know being able to run your business programmatically. I think today a lot of the agencies, especially the smaller ones, are, are far cry from being tech enabled in that sense. I think actually, maybe this is a wider discussion, but. ChatGPT is actually going to, I think, this is at least our sort of, you know, modus operandi and assumption that ChatGPT has the potential to democratize um, uh, the, um, you know, technology enabledness, so to speak, of small agencies where you needed a team of, say, you know, 10 engineers a year or two years ago um, with, you know, fairly specific um uh, like vertical expertises within within the the, the sort of software development flow, um, you know, today you can get away with like one or two good ones mm-hmm. uh, together with ChatGPT, which you know will enable those to to be as productive as those ten. I'm not saying that this is a perfect solution, but certainly for smaller agents, you know, there's absolutely no reason to believe to not believe that 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 democratization is going to go ahead where even a smaller, much smaller team of, of engineers will be able to accomplish practically and technically the same um, for much for a much smaller agency. So, you know, the idea is that 
in the long run, every agency will be and will have to be tech enabled. So the demand for a, um, you know, our API that aims to be um, offering you endpoints that allow you to run your entire banking business, everything I described, you know, from onboarding to, um, to, to moving funds, uh, to the treasury management feature, to the lending feature, uh, to the payments feature, mm. um, should be accessible to you via the API. Yeah. Amazing. And yeah, I think you're so right about, you know, we couldn't get through an episode without mentioning AI and chat GPT, but uh, <laughs> you know, I think it's the, it's the great equalizer, you know, and, and it just, there's absolutely no need to just say for small brokers to think that they can have that by not hiring 10, 20 engineers. And that's probably what stopped them. But, you know, even yourself being a, you know, someone, you know, the engineering route is somewhat very untraditional in the last three or four years with the technology, with the courses available now with AI, being able to do this, like, you know, you fast tracked from engineer to senior engineer to principal to manager to CTO all in three years effectively, but you've just, you've done it all from coding to strategically leading from creating the product, you know, and and again, it's all the tools that you have at your disposal, coupled with, of course, your own ability to pick things up super quick. Um, and as you say, there's no need why there's no reason why other small businesses can't do the same. You know, I'm, I'm conscious of, of your time here as well, but I'm just really interested in that aspect of it. You know, the the business model, the business expertise, the understanding of what the industry needs is is obviously there in abundance from yourself and Doug and and everything you've talked through. But technology is clearly the superpower as well behind all of this. And, and you know, Doug, CEO, he's out there flying here, there, everywhere, attending events, he's raising funds and and then spends in, in New York most of the time, even though you're not there just now, you're coding, you're head down. Like Absolutely. The, the tech is at the forefront of the insure tech capability is what I'm trying to say. That's also the USP, but like from a, from a kind of, from your perspective, how how do you how do you do that as a kind of almost a one man band you know building this end to end platform that, and what's what's kind of what's next for for Taurus and this evolution? That was one of the key reasons why I was so keen to do something with that because um, you know it I felt like I had built up enough capabilities and technical sort of you know prowess and know how to be dangerous. I'm not going to be sitting here and confuse myself with a 10-year tenure CTO. I'm just not there. Okay. Mm. That's but I have to say, ChatGPT has really enabled me and and um really enabled me to do things that I didn't think I would be able to do, and certainly not in the amount of time that it took me to do that. Um so we we were able to build up um, you know, essentially from a cold start. Uh, as in, you know, repo didn't exist on GitHub to a fully functioning and working banking feature. So as this, uh, you would have noticed that I, I talked about these different products, there are feature sets, right, of our overall banking infrastructure. So the banking feature set is really just a feature set that that allows you to do things that you can do with any other bank, right? The onboarding process, well, I say with every other bank, I mean, there's still more here that that we can offer that that we are offering that that most banks don't. You know, our onboarding is all online uh, and and 100 end to end online. Um, but that banking feature, we basically brought that to life in the space of like two months. Now that is mm -hmm. 
you know, the entire onboarding process, custom build, um, you know, uh, a, a dashboard, um, the ability to set up recipients or pays, um, oh, and two uh, of a authentication, uh, uh, JSON web token based, um, out of the box. Um, uh, so there's no way, you know, uh, proper proper security metrics. Um, you know, we you can you can move funds between your accounts. You can send funds to external accounts. So everything of that we built up as a team of two in the space of a little less than two months. And um, for the last month or so, we've been working on building out the other features. You know, that I mentioned, including the payments feature, um, which is our next. Uh, product that we're currently working on uh, and and building out. So to answer your question, right? How is that possible? Well, we are a small team of two engineers. Um, I'm in the trenches all the time. I love that about my job. Um, I hope I'm never going to stop um, sitting, you know, in front of my PC and and working on code that is relevant to our customers uh, anytime soon. Um, now. To answer your second part of the question, which is, you know, where, where are we going next? So you alluded to the fact that we're raising Douglas, you know, out and, and, and raising funds, which is absolutely right. And we have made a ton of progress in that space. Um, so we, we hope to, we hope to, to raise our, our um, pre-seed round very soon. Um, if that happens, um, uh, we will then do a couple of things. Uh, most notably on the engineering side, we will hire. So we already have a uh, an external engineer, uh, which is a um, a contractor who's fantastic, um, with whom I work every day. Uh, every morning we have a, a stand up, uh, and he's a great guy. And we will hire or aim to hire eight more of these guys. Um, so we want to have a, a bench of nine engineers. Uh, let's say, you know, by the end of November. Uh, and with that bench, we will build out all those feature sets that I, I alluded to earlier. Um, and um, <clears throat> those feature sets will basically form our MVP product, which is the product that we will go out uh, and, um, uh, you know, to, to customers with. Um, we're working with um, a bunch of, customers already and we will intensify that work stream as we hire those engineers and and attack all the other feature sets um, from a coding perspective because we have lined up um, a number of um, a number of design partners agencies who will help us um, you know build this product um, shape the product in a way that you know no one else could um, they, these are great guys and and these are agencies that you know we're talking one man bands, right up to an MGA uh, with 100 million of annual premium flow. So, mm -hmm. you know, being able to build across the, um, you know, the sort of retail end of the spectrum, the, of, of the, you know, the, the sort of B2B to B2B spectrum, right up to, you know, that MGA, which is B2B on an enterprise basis is phenomenal because it allows us to build out, um, you know, to, to do it, um, to, to build out those two sets at the same time is is great because I think, and I'm putting my my finance and investment banking hat on here, um, for our Series A round, it'll be fantastic if we, you know, have created 150, 100 to 150 small agencies as as paying customers, 
but we have also made progress in designing and implementing an enterprise solution for you know an NGA with 100 million uh, of of annual premium funds flow and more because what that means or what that says to our future investors is you know you've got you've got the small um the small fast growth but probably also to some extent fast churn um mm. because these these companies go you know they fall by the wayside as well of course there's a natural cycle um of small small scale um agencies which is great and that's our bread and butter and this is where we want to shine but having that that enterprise platform or enterprise solution um with you know a launch partner of 100 million uh, in, in annual premium funds flow is fantastic because those customers are going to be ones that, that you know, from a serious B and C perspective will be hugely, hugely important. Um, they will drive a lot of value from an investor perspective. Hmm. Awesome. You know, I, I think, you know, what really kind of speaks to me is your passion for building products, you know, and, and writing code for, you know, as you say, customers and building something for the industry that's it seems like it's absolutely needed. So, you know, I wish yeah. you and, and Doug, you know, the, the best of luck. And it sounds like it's I've, going to plan. Um yeah. Before I've actually sorry, you go. Do, do you might yeah, I was just gonna say this because I think it's 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 really interesting and 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 I thought about this for quite a while. And I so when we I've the last few days I've been working on on like you know designing and, and working through the whole onboarding process for those engineers. Um, you know, as and when we go out and, and find those eight additional engineers, we want to make the onboarding process as smooth and 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 valuable for them as as possible so that they can become, you know, um they can you know become a a contributing uh software engineer very fast. And you know, it, it, it struck me, I mean, I've, I've, I haven't seen this much with my first, um, from a first sort of perspective, first sort of eyes perspective. Um, but from what I have been seeing is that in the, uh, um, the, the sort of onboarding documentation for that purpose is, is, is what's sort of lacking in, in, in a, a lot of the tech businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I've been spending a lot of time over the last few, few days building this out and, um, you know, to your point, um, when I when I wrote out the um, you know the engineering best practices, but also um, our um, you know behavioral codex, um, you know, I think what I want to make sure is that every engineer, um, you know, shouldn't worry about like lines of code committed. Um, you know, like the the most important thing that I want them to think about is have I done something this week that made a difference to our customers? Like if I, if I get every engineer to think about that religiously, Mm -hmm. like, can I, can I do something this week, this week alone that is committed to the code base and we have a, we have a end to end implemented CI CD pipeline. So everything that we do is, if it of course passes the tests, um, manual as well as automated ones, uh, committed to production fairly fast. Um, uh, at the click of a button, you know, if I accept the pull request, it's done. Um, so we can be very nimble, we can be very fast, but I want every engineer to think very, very much front of mind, what can I do this week that makes a difference to our customers and improves the customer experience just one percent. If if we have every engineer doing that every week, you know, in a year's time, we will have a 
really phenomenal product. Mm. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think it's that that really introspective way of, of thinking how you can get the best out of your engineers, you know, you know, really allowing them to be a big contributor to the business, not just the codes. Um right. I think I think you're on you're on absolutely the right tracks to hire some fantastic engineers. Um Sven, before I let you go, I you've been very insightful, very in-depth about all of the, the questions around the gaps in the industry, the, the solution you're providing. And again, your passion for just engineering and tech comes across. So I wanted to finish with three quick fire questions. Um, one more dancers from you. And uh, yeah, I wanted to know, first of all, what's your favorite tech gadget or tool? I'm really interested to know that from you. Tech gadget or tool? Um, yeah. Honestly, it'd have, it'd have to be my MacBook. Um, I'm in love with my MacBook. It's a fantastic, fantastic. I mean, you know, I, I used to be, micro, so I grew up with a desktop Microsoft Windows PC. Um, and right up to, I think, five years ago, uh, exactly mm. when I joined, when I left investment banking and I joined this family office, this family office was a bit more tech-enabled than banking at that time. Uh, and they had MacBooks. I hated yeah. the first two weeks because all my Excel and PowerPoint shortcuts didn't work. Mm. Uh, had to relearn that, but ever since I'm absolutely converted. I will never <laughs> ever go back to Windows. <laughs> Love it. And a book or a podcast that you would recommend to tech enthusiasts like myself or anyone listening to to this tech series? Is there any that you've picked up or read, or any podcast you listen to that you'd recommend? Yeah, that there, there, there is. Um, there is a book. Um, I'm gonna have to. Let me just. Um, she, I, I found her on 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 Twitter, um, and then I, I followed her on Twitter a little bit. Um, I'm I'd be butchering her name. Uh, <laughs> she's got an Eastern European sounding name, just like my wife, um, who's from from Serbia. But I she she wrote this book um, about React, and it's probably the most insane book I've ever written about anything, uh, let alone. Um, specifically about the React world, but even including everything else in coding. The first chapter even revealed some facts about React that I thought, um, or it rather disproved some facts that I thought were um, you know, absolutely true, but mm -hmm. turned out to be absolutely untrue. And you know, these are like very, the, the book is fantastic. Um, uh, and um, I should really uh, find out what her name is, so I can. We can we can, can include it. We can include it in the in the comments when we we reshare this. Um, let's 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 include let's include that because honestly, yeah, yeah. So I've 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 reached out to her. Um, already, I want every I want all of our you know engineers to have access to that book. Um, they need to read that. I put that book as a reference. Uh, into our onboarding manual. Um, every engineer is supposed to read that. Uh, that that book is phenomenal. Hmm. Amazing. Amazing. Well, look, I just think that brings us nicely out of uh, out of time there again. I'm conscious of, of your time, but this has been this has been great. So I really appreciate um, you coming on the podcast and you know telling us all about the the mission and and all the other insight you've shared with us. Then, um, yeah, I hope you've enjoyed it. I uh, absolutely did. And uh, by the way, so the book is called Advanced React. Advanced React. Um, okay. Ad, ad, advanced React. Yeah. And um, her name is Nadia. 
Um, now, as I said, I'm I'm butchering her name, but uh, it's Nadja Makarevich, I think. So anyone who who listens who listens in, uh, do look up that book. Fantastic book about React. Amazing! What a great way to finish on a recommendation. Sven, again, thank you for the time and enjoy the rest of your day.